Thanks for being with us once again on Community Matters, Saturdays after the 8 a.m. news on 95.3 WBCK and BattleCreekPodcast.com. Anytime you need it, Richard Pyatt here with you. We're brought to you by Lakeview Ford Lincoln and happy to have them on board as well. Periodically, every four to five weeks or so, we check in with the Calhoun County Board of Commissioners. Today, we have Vice Chair Steve Frisbee and the Calhoun County Administrator, Kelly Scott. This was a particularly financially focused meeting in July that uh, you just finished with, not the least of which I suppose, Kelly, is uh, the audit, which this is pretty important, isn't it? This underscores uh, from independent eyes exactly what you've put together in terms of the budget. Is that fair to say? It is fair to say that uh, independent audits are something that uh, our public should appreciate, you know, that we have independent financial reviews of all of the county's accounts. So not just our general fund. Um, our audit also includes audits of the road department funds, of what we call component units. Um, so some of our elected officials that have different sources of funding, like the Water Resources Commissioner, and even the county medical care facility, which the county owns but is operated separately, uh, the land bank and delinquent tax revolving funds have separate audits. Those all get incorporated and reviewed from just to make sure that the, the financial status of the county is being accurately depicted uh, to the public, that we're accountable to taxpayers, and then also they look at internal controls and risk of fraud. Um, all of that is is considered, and our audit is a pretty big undertaking. We uh, Our fiscal year ends in December, and the audit takes a few months to complete and has to be filed by the state uh, to the state by the end of June. So typically every year in, in July, we'll do the audit presentation and communications to the Board of Commissioners so that they hear it firsthand. I would say that in addition to just the basic financial statements, our county has chosen for more than 25 years to go above and beyond um, just presenting the financial statements. We include a lot of information at the end of our audit report that has statistical information about our top taxpayers and top employers, history of the number of employees that the county has had for many years. You can see the history of, of our fund balances and just a lot more information for those that uh, care to go into a lot of detail. And because of that, we earned from the um, Government Finance Officers Association their International Certificate of Achievement for Financial Excellence in Financial Reporting. So I'm extremely proud of our finance staff led by our finance director, Megan Banning, uh, that we continue to to do more work than is needed to, again, just um, do the best we can to communicate the county's finances to our taxpayers. Any of you have served on a nonprofit board, for example, this will ring some bells because typically this happens uh, in those circles as well, but it provides that independent outlook on what's happening with the money. And, and also, as you pointed out, the internal controls, which Steve, this probably is important for you as a commissioner to hear as well, the idea that uh, everything is secure in the way money is handled, right? Absolutely. And that's one of our primary roles as county commissioners is to make sure that the fiscal policies are followed and established and followed and that we have evidence that taxpayer dollars are not at risk. And it's always good to have that um, unmodified opinion coming from the, the auditor and uh you know, praising the, the work of our finance staff and how well they helped uh, get this done. 
if you've ever heard a finance director say, you know, the auditors are the enemy, you know, you're working at the wrong place or you have the wrong finance director. And uh, I've heard that before in a different nonprofit board. And uh, that person, you know, made us leery and didn't stay around for long after that. So when they stand up in a public meeting and say that unmodified opinion, that means that's everything that we expect and desire in handling the public's funds. And it's always good to hear. And we've never had an opinion that wasn't since I've been a county commissioner. And Kelly makes sure of that, as well as the finance staff. So they do an excellent job. I can't underscore enough, I suppose, the notion that the auditing firm is independent and they come in with I suppose you could say scrutinizing eyes, right? They're they're checking everything. But even then, Kelly, you uh, probably have to change that firm or after a few years, don't you? Every several years, we do a competitive uh, bid process, yes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Raymond is our current audit firm. Um, we switched to them several years ago after that last uh, competitive process. And I think we have a couple of years left, but um, it is even in the middle of our contract, audit standards require them to switch up the personnel so that there's a fresh eyes approach. Uh-huh. And so all of that is, has been uh, recently tightened, I would say, after accounting scandals that you may have heard about maybe a decade ago. So the audit standards continue to get get tightened and they absolutely every year, it seems like bring forth some new procedures um, that our staff, even though they don't say they're the enemy, they do whine a little bit about, well, you know, we didn't have to produce those schedules in the past. And this is the right. first time they've asked for that. It's it's all um, for the good of, of all of us. It gives us just that more yep. reassurance that, you know, if something's drastically wrong, we will know about it. And the newest standard is um, essentially contracts that you have for computer software and those kind of things that are cloud-based. So we have to now account for those as expenditures in how long the contract's for. It's essentially treating it like a lease. So we'll have to report that moving forward, and that's okay. Uh, It shows the true depiction of what the dollars are accounted for, you know, as we spend every year. So Mm -hmm. Gatsby standards change. We change. You triggered a thought about uh, about all of that in my mind. I spent some time in a networking group with some folks who are IT professionals and uh, and banking folks, and they tend to talk a little bit about the notion of fraud these days and checks and electronic transactions and things like that. Is that part of what the auditing firm asks you about, Kelly? Do they do they want to know how you conduct business and how you send money and receive money? They do. They have a pretty lengthy fraud uh, questionnaire that goes to me, goes to key finance staff. Uh, they they pick you know certain elected officials, department heads, and they ask us, what processes do you have in place to detect any fraud? Um, our treasurer's office handles the banking. And so they do talk to them about those processes. And, and you know, the banks have really helped with some tools that are very effective in uh, preventing fraudulent checks and, and all of that. And then our IT department also engages separate consultants to focus specifically on cybersecurity mm-hmm. and those risks. So the auditors don't go too deep into specific areas, but they, they get a general overview and based on you know what dollar amounts and areas are most would have the most impact on our financial statements. That's that's really the audit our financial auditors focus. Well, it's a it's a concern, and uh, I'm sure you hear some of those stories that I hear about how fraudsters are going about things these days. Sometimes 
ahead of the of those who would have expertise to to help stop it or or solve it. So it's good to know that uh, those things are going on. And I'm sure, Steve, the commission wants to know about those things, too. Absolutely. What policies do we need to put in place and which we have in place and are recommended by the administrative staff to help us maintain that, you know, security of funds and and eliminate fraud? Mm -hmm. Somebody can try like heck, no matter what you have in place. Do you have the systems in place to catch it when it happens? So there was the audit uh, report. And then, of course, uh, at this point in the year, there's potentially some budget adjustments. I presume you had some as well, Kelly. Yes. Just, you know, to remind the public of big picture, local governments like counties are, are required to adopt a balanced budget every year before the start of the year. We could hypothetically include the use of our fund balance or reserves and would technically be okay to have deficit spending. We have never, since I've been here, adopted a budget that had deficit spending. So we've had a balanced budget every year since at least 2010, which is the first one that I worked on with the county. So really want to thank our judges, our elected officials, our department heads, and then the board of commissioners support for helping to make that happen. It has been difficult. And for the last few years, of course, we have very much appreciated the support of the federal government, helping to keep local governments afloat Um, following the fallout in mainly our local revenues, but also state revenues that happened during COVID. And so this year's budget is no different. We adopted a balanced, the board adopted a balanced budget in December. And just because of the timing of certain assumptions that go into the budget that may be solidified after December, it is definitely best practice to review the budget ongoing. And we do that every month with a review of our financial statements that come to the board. And we make smaller budget adjustments generally as required. Um, But the mid-year budget adjustment is a a comprehensive, more organized manner to look at all of our revenues, all of our expenses, get input from those that are managing the budgets directly within our departments, and just make sure that the budget is as accurate as it can looking forward to where we should end the fiscal year in December. And one of the main uh, goals of that exercise is to create a baseline budget, if you will, so that when we build next year's budget forecast, um, we're using you know an, an accurate baseline. That happens every year, typically in the summer, and particularly on our largest items like property taxes, which make up um, almost 50% of our operating budget, On the expense side are fringe benefits, which are now approaching 20% of our overall general fund budget. Mm -hmm. So some really large items that that just um, by nature uh, fluctuate. Some of them are are difficult to predict. And then as we're halfway through the year, we can look at our actuals and make adjustments so that we don't get towards the end of the year and then end in a deficit situation, which we also have never done um, since I've been here since, since 2009. Well, clearly you're able to manage that. I'm curious about the the circumstances, and you've really started to allude to it, that would lead up to a budget adjustment. So uh, as you began to describe the idea that, that something for which you've predicted a certain expenditure is, say, costing more, so now maybe there's some funds allocated elsewhere that are not being used and you're moving them into a different category. Is that, uh, do I have that general idea right? That is the general idea. And and 
those things always happen. So for example, um, when you look at salaries and, and wages, we're budgeting for all of the positions that are currently authorized uh, and budgeted. And now there's turnover during the year, there's retirements, there's new hires. And so all of the, that mix of salaries changes. So we know now that we're halfway through the year in, in all of the departments, when we look at it position by position, that there have been savings. So that generally always happens. And then our fringe benefits, employee health insurance, the, the county is large enough that we are self-insured. And, and what that means is we pay for actual claims uh, for an employee when they go to the doctor and that claim gets filed with Blue Cross Blue Shield, regardless of what the premiums are that we've established, the, the, the set costs that our employees paid, we pay whatever that cost might be. If someone has a long hospital stay or a member of their family, um, that may far exceed what you know, the premium cost it is. Sure. And so we look at our actual claims very closely because that is um, one of our biggest expenses and it's just impossible to predict. So we monitor our claims monthly. We get reports from Blue, Blue Cross. We have benefits consultants. We look at, I mean, down to the detail, we look at um, prescriptions that are happening. We look at employees that have, may have had really large claims and just try to adjust because that is one item that has the ability to have a significant impact of our budget if we don't make sure that we're budgeting uh, appropriately for it. As you pointed out, you've not had a deficit situation arise at the end of a year because of adjustments that you've had to make. So it sounds like you're pretty good at finding ways to compensate and ride these waves. And so it seems like uh, doing so is relatively routine, but is it white knuckled? or <laughs> that It is can be. We do build in contingency. We actually have a contingency light item that's about 1% of our budget just sitting there unappropriated for situations that like, like health insurance costs, which may greatly exceed. We also have the situation this year where our treasurer said, hey, we budgeted a million and a half dollars to come from the delinquent tax revolving fund, which is a, a, has been our historical annual amount. He reviewed his accounts during this mid-year budget review and said, hey, that can't happen. So that needs to come out of the general fund budget. Hmm. That was an immediate $1 million impact. And so that was not as easy as routine to figure out, do we have savings elsewhere to cover? And in fact, what we chose to recommend to the board for now is the use of American Rescue Plan Act funds that honestly were budgeted for next year. Next year is the last year of our use of those multi-year one-time funding uh, from the federal government. So that's not an ideal situation. And so it, it is possible to get closer to a, a white knuckle situation. The other area that we monitor very closely all the time is our revenues from renting out close to half of our jail beds. And mm -hmm. the design of our jail back in 1994 just really requires because it's not very scalable on the expense side or the staffing side, our budget really does uh, depend and in, in need half of those beds if or close to that to be rented out so that there's revenue to cover as much as our operating costs as possible. And um, that revenue has took a huge drop during COVID, mainly because of COVID protocols, but also because of immigration policy at the federal level and really has not rebounded yet to the extent that we used to rely on. So there are situations that, um, and that's why we look at it ongoing and also mid-year instead of just going with the annual budget and hope, hoping that it comes together at the end of the year. That's why it's so important to look at it now because there have been situations in the past where we've had to 
sort of impose temporary cuts if if the budget really does shake out to be what it looks like as we're predicting it now. Well, and and you obviously there anticipated my next question and saying, what if the money isn't there? Then you have to figure out what to do. So temporary cuts is how you look at it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And in the short term, you know, they're fairly limited. It it would require maybe delaying or slowing the filling of vacant positions. Um, You know, it's hard to make pretty large operating changes in the in the short term. You learned this in economics, right? In the long term, everything's flexible. In the short term, some things are pretty fixed. So we do our best to, to budget conservatively at the beginning of the year and to not just look at the current status, but we do all kinds of trend analysis and get a lot of input so that using our five-year forecast method, you know, yes, catastrophic things can happen, but we have been doing this for so long that we know kind of what to expect and, and where our vulnerabilities are. And our goal is to minimize the impact on public, minimize the impact on our employees' health and well-being, and and try to make it through with the contingencies and with savings that we really honestly build in some of that cushion because we have to. Steve, when uh, when you hear about budget adjustments from a commissioner's point of view, what do you want to see there, and what are you most worried about? That there's, I mean, clearly, if if the fewer you have, the more comfortable you feel with the budget you've approved, I presume. But uh, what do you look for when you hear about those? If there's massive amounts, uh, what changed? And we always get the story about that. And we really don't have massive amounts that get changed. We're typically in the ten to $20,000. And you, that is a lot of money. But when you look at the size of the budget, that's not a big amount. So what concerns me is the future of you know having to take the ARPA funds and and, and put them in, and the treasurer's declaration that he that he didn't have a um, the ability to fund that this year. So he manages our investments, and he does really really well. He's really changed things around in the last several years to get good good dollars. But I I equated it to something like this on Thursday night when I spoke that. You know, you can have great investments and everybody should invest and you should use that to your financial strength, of which we do. We reaffirmed our double A rating, bond rating. So that's good. But if you can't pay your mortgage sometimes and you're cash poor, you got to look at what are you doing for investment? So, and by the way, we also approved a policy change that ups our fund balance that follows more along the state guidelines. And we went from eight to 12 to 12 to 22 or something something close to that. So we're going to have to find a way to fund that. And we're not going to be able to do it overnight. As Kelly said, it's taking small bites and adding to the pot to give us more cash flow. But those investments, like I said, you can't be cash poor and continue to invest and expect to survive the day-to-day operation or the year-to-year operation. So we're going to need some thoughts and to remove those challenges of how do we work together to put more dollars into the budget without harming our financial future. So it's a great balance act and Kelly's really good at it. And I think Brian will work with us to help us get in that mode. You're talking about the ARPA funds, Kelly, uh, as you pointed out, next year is the last year. This was uh, federally provided extra money to try and uh, balance out things as a result of COVID and and, and this sort of underscores that, right? The the use of the ARPA funds to balance things out here, and in a, a couple of years, that's not going to be there. So, how do you look upon that? Uh, I, I suppose it's split, right? Grateful that you had them, 
uh, but not so great that they're going away, or maybe it is. We rely a lot just countywide on state and federal funding ongoing. And so, you know, any assistance that comes from the government that helps us serve the public in the way that needs to happen, we appreciate. It makes it difficult if our revenues that that funding was meant to replace are not back where they were before COVID, right? And so fortunately, property taxes have increased, property values have increased, and they really didn't see a big downturn, as maybe some predicted during COVID. So that again, that's half of our revenue source. And so that issue may fix itself because we are seeing growth. There's new development coming with the new battery plant. There's um, the hope that our econ- just the local economy will improve enough to to help boost our local revenues and wean us off of the ARPA funds, if you will. And then some of the other local revenues, um, such as court costs and fines, just as the activity if, as we're back to full operations following COVID, some of those revenues also should be in a place where we're not relying on, on the ARPA funds. Um, nevertheless, you know, costs continue to go up and some of our revenues just aren't quite there yet. So we're just working on next year's budget forecast now, and it it will require some belt tightening. I'll say it like that, without any more ARPA funds, depending on some of the big assumptions that I talked about, like our jail bed revenue from the federal government. We're already starting to look at some cost areas, such as employee benefits, that we may still have a few more tools in our toolbox that we can deploy in a way that hopefully, you know, maintains the current level of services for the public. We've had a lot of um, efficiencies put in place by our elected officials that, you know, like online services, et cetera, that um, we're hoping we'll we'll start to see the return on those investments, um, putting energy efficient solar and lighting into our buildings that's being worked on right now. So we are always looking at long-term strategies And this is something we've been predicting, of course. We scheduled out the use of ARPA funds and knew that uh, this is probably the last year, this year or next year, um, to rely on that in our general fund. You mentioned the housing situation and the Blue Oval plant. You know, immediately everybody talked about the idea that, oh boy, we're going to need more housing here. And that's already a challenge. How do you look upon that? You say, oh yeah, okay, we're going to build more houses. That's going to be more tax revenue and we can count on that. Is it as simple as that? I definitely (laughs) think that there will be more. There's already evidence in our cities, particularly of housing developments in the works. Um, There is a big focus by all of our four cities in in the county to continue with their housing strategies and um, to work with the the private developers to make that happen. So there definitely will be growth. We're we're already seeing also um, potentially some new commercial and industrial growth some of it related to the the Ford Blue Oval project, some of it not. So that growth, I am optimistic, and all of that will help our budget. The other thing that happened last week in Lansing, or the last couple of weeks, was to talk about uh, stabilizing the revenue sharing at the local level. Mm-hmm. So that may help. I think the state's going to struggle with that because how do they maintain it moving ahead? So it may be a short-term address uh, of an issue for us, but I'm not sure how they're going to continue with it long-term. I heard Kelly saying she's optimistic. I heard you, Steve, being uh, maybe a little bit more middle of the road by saying, we uh, hope. Growth is good. Don't get me wrong, but I I don't think we'll see it for a couple of years. They're not going to build homes until people need them. They're needed now. Don't get me wrong. But you have to make sure, and this is the private developer side, they got to make sure they've got the right niche 
of the market that they're after and can build and sell homes. So I hope they do it and I hope they continue. And it is good. It is good for revenue that way and spreads the cost out amongst all taxpayers to lower individuals' responsibility of funding government. Before we go, I uh, I heard Kelly say the first budget she uh, was involved in was in 2010. And so time flies when you're having fun. Uh, and now uh, commissioners have uh, reached a new contract with Kelly, right, Steve? That's correct. And we gave her a three-year extension, which is the longest we can do. Um, there's, it's laid out in the Constitution and in law on what we can do. Uh, we got it done before the deadline so we could give her a three-year contract and everybody was excited to, that she's going to be here for another three years she's an absolute asset to this community and leads us in ways that other people couldn't do and it's a joy to work with her and i'm just amazed at her abilities and ability to lead the county and provide us an environment as commissioners that we we're making good decisions because she gives us great information so you can't ask for anything better than that Kelly, what's the climate among county administrators? Uh, is it typical for folks to stay in one county for a majority of their career? Maybe it's not that simple. Maybe some want to move on, some don't. It is very much uh, a mixed bag. I would say it's more typical than not that city managers as well as township officials to move from local government to local government several times over their career. And mm -hmm. I'm surprised a little that I've been able to uh, stay here for 15 years. And I'll, I always tell this story when I had my attorney review the first contract proposed by the County Board of Commissioners. He said, you know, you're asking me about all these terms and it's not about the terms. It's about who you have to work with and who and how satisfying that is. And I am really humbled and proud to have been part of a, a great team. Our commissioners are all new, of course, several times over since I started. And we've just always been able to work together very, very well. The board and, and the county administration have great relationships the county elected officials and uh, myself. And then I have a wonderful administrative team with a lot of talent. And I don't say that lightly. They're, they're very awesome. Um, and so I'm just thankful to get an, another three years and look forward to uh, next year, another election year for our county officials, all of our countywide officials and the board of commissioners. And I'm confident that we'll, we'll get somewhat of a new team and maybe a lot of the same to continue on our great work. All right. Well, congratulations on all that. And uh, that sounds like the perfect place to leave it for this time with our County Board of Commissioners update, Calhoun County. Kelly Scott, Calhoun County Administrator, and Steve Frisby, Vice Chair at the Board of Commissioners. Thanks to you both. Thank, Thank you. you, Richard. The committee's ultimate goal is to schedule the referendum. I can't imagine what the set of facts is that would would stop this at this point. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that they are successful. Instead of workers in China building the batteries, we've got Marshall, Michigan employees building them. We want to be good neighbors. Your go-to on the Marshall Megasite, Community Matters, from Lakeview Ford Lincoln, 8 a.m. Saturdays on WBCK. Catch up now at battlecreekpodcast.com.